Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. I am your host, Will. I am joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? After an extremely long hiatus, we are <laughs> back to cover the Mavericks 124-115 to 115 victory over the Lakers on Christmas Day. We thought no better time to return during the holidays. Um, Jaren, would you like to speak on our hiatus um, and kind of the reason we've been out for this last week or so, and uh, what our plan is going forward. Yeah, so uh, it's a Christmas miracle. Miracle, we are actually back. Um, no, but we, you know, just like timing wise, you know, with the holidays coming up, uh, I went on a trip for a few days, uh, like a week or two ago, and honestly, yeah, just timing wise, and you know, with the holidays coming up, it was just kind of hard to work around it. But I think that uh, is it safe to say we'll be back full circle. We'll be podcasting. no, yeah, we're 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 completely. I know we said this a couple of times, but like, you know, this was definitely like our most elongated hiatus, like um, in terms of things happening, because I was just working constantly during this like last like two week stretch um, to try and, you know, jettison Christmas for the family and uh, some people in my family. So, uh, you know, I had to pick up a lot of hours and stuff, but it's finally over, which is good. So we are definitely... Um, 100% back now. We do apologize about being out so long. We're going to have another podcast out today, kind of going over some overarching themes and takeaways that we can pull from this last little stretch this season. Um, mainly like the last like five to 10 games kind of, and how that um, coordinates to the rest of the season. Cause those are obviously the games that we've missed covering. Um, and of course we're going to cover this Lakers game today. Um, this was a game where I think the, volatility of the Mavericks three-point shooting was on full display you saw what happens when the Mavericks aren't making their shots and then that 51 uh, point third quarter explosion when the Mavericks are making their shots what kind of takeaways did you have from a game in which it seemed kind of grim at the start and that it might be more of a Ebenezer Scrooge Christmas for the Mavericks (laughs) but it it turned into a uh, but it basically went uh, the Grinch's heart got filled for the Mavericks essentially. And he, he became whole again. How did you, how did you, um, were you surprised at the Mavericks being able to swing things around in uh, that manner where they did in that third quarter, 51 points, pretty sure it's the most points in a quarter and on Christmas day in NBA history. If, um, correct me if I, you know, no, I think I do. Yeah. Correct. Um, so what were your, I mean, I, I don't really think that there's like a ton of crazy things we can pull from this other than like it's just this is the Mavericks. it's just hugely emblematic of the Mavericks roster. <laughs> yeah, <that's> um, <laughs> I, I will preface that the Mavericks were uh without Kemba Walker, uh Dorian fin- Finney Smith still with that right hip abductor strain. They were without Maxi Cle- Maxi Kleber, of course, with his right hamstring um tear and uh Josh Green with the uh, elbow sprain. And Frank Nitlikina. Um, he was questionable. Um, I think left knee soreness or something like that. So, I mean, we were extremely injury riddled. And of course, going against a Lakers team that's waiting upon the pending return of Anthony Davis, who should be back here in the next few games, but he wasn't quite ready to go yet. So it was a weird kind of like, I honestly got really big vibes to that jazz Christmas game from last year where we were extremely yeah. injury riddled and the vibes were just kind of, wonky but at the end of the day we still had Luca and um you know him and Christian Wood both got 32 and 30 points respectively the dynamism between them um in terms of how they coexisted on offense was working really well in this one um admittedly the Lakers really didn't have that much of a back line of a defense outside of you know like Winion Gabriel uh when he was out there you know without Anthony Davis but it was still cool to see Christian Wood get after it his, you know, ascension to become a starter is something that we've really missed and all these injuries in this little stretch that we haven't been able to cover. So that's going to be 
something that we'll really try to talk about, especially in that podcast tonight. Um, but, you know, we do want to get one out in terms of just having a post-game podcast for this Lakers game. Do you have any other takeaways from this game, Jaron, before – or just general things before we uh, go ahead and go to the ad break and we get more in-depth into this game? Yeah, I know. I know that you pretty much said it. Um, but, yeah, it just kind of seemed like a a game of two halves, of, and that's pretty much basketball. But for the Mavericks, it was pretty indicative of, like, pretty much the whole season. The first half, you know, they only scored a total of 43 points, and then in the second half they scored 81 points. Um, it's just, you know, a flip of a coin of what you're going to get on this team, and that's what happened over halftime. Yes, I mean, the, the Mavericks are, I guess, quietly on a – three-game win streak yeah three-game win streak but it like all three of their wins have been like extremely flawed I think this one probably the least flawed out of all of them and you know just because we haven't been um obviously been able to podcast and you know I haven't been live tweeting or anything of that sort we still have been keeping up with the games we've still got our analysis pad down you know we wouldn't uh just completely buck out here and clock out you know we we just had to had some work around so you know, it's interesting that the Mavericks are have, a, have kind of quietly been able to persist throughout this weird stretch, and they have um, a very easy schedule coming up, um, followed by a very tough stretch um, once we get to about January 5th. So it'll be interesting to see how this team um, is able to withstand some of these injuries and what have you. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about tonight, but just kind of the sort of lack of variety on this roster and how the Mavericks are going to be able to manage that. Um, because I mean, this, it's a team that needs to make a move, but do they even have the assets to make a move? Obviously that's been like the ongoing theme this season, I think. And uh, there's some provocative topics. I mean, Christian Woods contract extension. There's a, there's a lot to get into, um, but we will be getting into this Mavericks versus Lakers game on Christmas day, a very fun win. Nonetheless, it was nice to see the Mavericks get a win at home at the AAC. Um, just maybe if the Mavericks actually make the playoffs in some sort of capacity this year, we might just get another Christmas Day game next year just because of this. We might. I'm just joking. The NBA won't schedule us. Uh, not after um, having an 18 and 16 start, but the Lakers will still get scheduled nonetheless. And they'll, they'll get a home game as well. They'll get, they'll get a home game next year. They, they can't be on the road two years in a row. Uh, anyhow, we will be getting into – all of that in this Christmas Day game versus the Lakers, of course. But first, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaron, so getting into it. In that first quarter, the Lakers were aggressively double-teaming Luka, basically with whatever help defender was nearby. They're, I mean, they were throwing the kitchen sink at him. They basically did so all game. They didn't really make any adjustments in that department. You know, you presume that that's because they just don't have that back line of defense there with AD to be able to help any penetration when he gets to the rim. So um, the Mavericks were just not able to make their shots off of it. And it was looking um, really bleak in that first quarter. And it seemed as if we were in for a long night. And the woes of the Mavericks last few games, the the flaws that we saw in that second Minnesota game and that Houston game uh, where we just saw the one dimensionality of this team really come into full effect. It, it seemed like that was finally going to bite the Mavericks, even against a, a lesser opponent in the Lakers, uh, especially the way LeBron was able to just get uh, go downhill, get coast to coast with Dorian out and Josh Green and Maxi. I mean, ob- obviously, probably the Mavericks' three best defenders, of course. Um, two of those guys, hopefully, on the horizon in terms of guys that will be returning soon. Did What did you think in terms of that first quarter? Did you think the Mavericks – we're basically on the fast track to having a pretty long matinee game in store for them. Yeah. You know, I thought it would be an uneventful game after that first quarter. I want to say Luca only had like five points in that first quarter. Um, And it just kind of seemed like the Lakers are doing everything right uh, defensively to kind of take the Mavericks out of it. It was like a super slow start for the Mavs. Uh, You know, the one dimension, the one dimensionality of this team, as you mentioned earlier, is pretty much, Whenever Luca is doubled, you give it to Wood, and then he kicks out to a corner shooter. And whenever they're not making their corner shots, you know what else can you do? And it's pretty much nothing. Um, you know the four on three offense just wasn't it. Not that it wasn't working. It was just you know guys just weren't hitting their shots. But they weren't really using it like 
But yeah, they weren't but using short roller. roller. They weren't you were using the four and three offense with a short roller, right? It was more like Luca was getting doubled, and then he just kicks it out to whoever's on the wing, and then they swing it to the corner or Luca. It, it was like, yeah, it was sort of, yeah, I guess like a hybrid, not even a hybrid, but yeah, it was just sort of like relying on these extra passes to do to kind of get around, you know, the the double team of Luca. Yeah. Um, and that's you know, whenever the the Mavs would get up an open shot or whatever it was, you know, they just were unable to hit it, of course, until that second quarter or until that third quarter. In, in like horrendous fashion, like everything seemed like long or there were some yeah, it was, balls yeah. in there. It, um, it seemed like Christmas morning breakfast had caught up to everybody. So, yes, exactly. And um, like I said, LeBron did a really good job of being able to get downhill. He was very self-sufficient in this game, basically providing all of the Lakers offense to an extent. Uh, he got to the line six times, made 12 free throws. Uh, and he really was putting a huge hamper on the Mavericks um, back line of defense. I mean, they, you know, obviously would, I thought, really showcased his weak side help protection in this game um, as much as he could. You saw his capabilities as a defender, not to the um, extent you know, I'm not trying to hyperbolize him or anything and make him out to be this god tier defender or anything by um like that. But we did see um when he's fully locked in on defense, when he's fully bought into a scheme, that he can be a guy who is able to defend, you know, some of these smaller guys and um, you know, basically get any, you know, shooting guards, small forwards. I know those terms are kind of redundant in today's NBA. Um, you know, power forwards, he, he has a lateral quickness to be able to stay with some of these guys. He's just not as much, you know, that traditional rim protector. And these last few games, this stretch, he's actually shown that he's he's been able to do that to an extent when he gets those switched on to those guys. He's actually been decent. And then from time to time, he will have the occasional weak side help walk, um, even though it's, you know, it's not as prevalent as you would hope. You know, it's it's about as much as you can ask for him. But of course, with LeBron, I mean, there's just really, I mean, it's, I think it's a far fetch for us to ask Christian Wood to be able to, you know, provide consistent rim defense versus LeBron when he gets switched on to him or um, be that help side defender to be able to block LeBron. I mean, that's just more of a, that, that just comes down to personnel. And, you know, when you have your three best defenders out, that's going to be a lot more prevalent of an issue and of course you know the Lakers having AD out was a huge help in this game who knows where the Mavericks are if he's playing but LeBron was uh, able to get to whatever spot he really wanted to attacking from whatever wing in the half court offense to just kind of get those floaters up just taking any guy off the dribble I mean there are really no Mavericks defenders that body you know pound for pound could stop him to any extent I think we've seen in the past, you know, we've seen Maxi and Dorian be able to, you know, not, of course, stop LeBron, but limit him to an extent. And, you know, without that, uh, you know, Reggie's a solid defender, but he just doesn't have the, he doesn't have the bulk behind him to be able to, you know, stop a LeBron in that sense. And, you know, the Lakers, other point of attack guys in Beverly and Schroeder, you know, they, they were able to attack off some closeouts when the Mavericks defense got mangled and they're, um, rotations kind of got out of sort at points but you know I, I thought they served more as ball movers in this game it, this wasn't a game that made me go oh Mavericks really should have got Dennis Schroeder over the offseason you know he's had some good games but um, he is not playing up to that insane threshold that we saw in the FIBA World Cup qualifiers earlier this summer when he was with Germany so I, I guess I don't really have too much um, buyer's remorse there but nonetheless um <clears throat> I thought, or lack of buyer's remorse, whatever, you know, that was a weird phrase. Um, but, um, you know, the, the LeBron was able to get the ball to Thomas Bryant in some transition opportunities a few times where he was able to seal Dwight Powell or Christian Wood underneath there. But I thought in large part, um, Thomas Bryant really didn't have a huge impact upon that this game besides that first quarter. So it, it's not like the Lakers really had some insane offensive first quarter the Mavericks merely just couldn't make their shots right um there were points where uh Luca started to get going a little bit at the end of that first quarter Christian Wood he was serving as a guy who the Mavericks um kind of had an effective outlet to really just taking advantage on mismatches 
Uh, he had a few possessions where he was able to body Thomas Bryant, um, who, you know, has kind of some spotty one-on-one defense, and he was able to shoot over the top of him. So that was kind of the bulk of that offense in that first quarter. Um, and, I mean, in the second quarter, it kind of just got amplified to an extent, the Mavericks' woes. What did you see in that uh, second quarter in terms of the Mavericks? You know, they, they threw in Davis Bertans in there uh, at the end of the yeah. first quarter. McKinley, right, got some minutes. He played over Jaden Hardy in this game, um, large in no small part due to the fact that I think Jaden Hardy was struggling with a back contusion uh, from that scary fall he had a few games ago when he was with the Legends. Uh, this was his first game where he was readily available to go again. So I think that might have been part of the reason that they played McKinley right over him, but, you know, I can't confirm. McKinley right, I thought, did decent in his minutes. He yeah. hustled as hard as he could on defense. He was able to furbish some offense in the pick and roll. He had this one really nice and one floater. But, you know, you could tell that he still needs a little more NBA run to really be able to – kind of put his foot in the ground and just get going as that ball handler option. You can tell when he's out there how much his lack of shooting limits him because there are a lot of possessions where, you know, a guy will go under on a screen and he has a solid opportunity to be able to shoot over the top of him and he'll kind of just uh, defer to kicking it out or trying to attack or, you know, start a pick and roll back up. So those were some interesting minutes at the end of the first quarter, but in it, I think in totality, though, the first quarter was pretty – it was fairly brisk for the Mavs, um, as well as the second quarter. You know, there were – the Mavericks threw a lot of guys out there. Like I said, Theo Pinson got a little run. Um, Dwight Powell had a few okay possessions where he got some points off cuts, but not a big game from him. Did uh, What did we see in the second quarter in terms of how those problems for the – from the first quarter uh, still persisted in the second quarter? Yeah, you know – largely the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, they didn't really change up their defensive scheme at all. Uh, Luca was still being doubled and pretty much as you referred to earlier, you know, it had to be sort of deferred to Christian Wood for bulk of, for most of the offense. Uh, and Christian Wood did a pretty good job. I want to say he finished with 15 points in that he first did. half. He had 15 in each half. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he finished with 15 in the first half. Um, and yeah, it was just, you know, picking apart these mismatches, um, you know, Defensively, the Mavericks again pretty it was it was pretty much the first and second quarter. I felt like were largely the same. Uh, where you know, offensively the Mavericks just couldn't really get anything going outside of Christian Wood. And defensively, you know, they just couldn't stop pretty much I, I want to say it was Russell Westbrook and LeBron doing most of the most of the work down low. Um, yeah, I mean Westbrook has like quietly had a pretty good season for them, especially off the bench. Yeah, um, I mentioned on the ABC broadcast about 85 million times, but <laughs> Um, he, you know, he's, he's doing Russell Westbrook things. He's not trying to deviate too much from his normal skill set. is what I've noticed this year. He's, you know, he's obviously limited by his very, um, rhythmic outside shooting and, um, his mid range jump shots kind of coming and going, of course. Yeah. But he, he seems as if more like. You know, if he gets the ball at the elbow or that wing area, he's basically gonna, going to attack. And, you know, you know what he's going to do, but he's so effective at attacking that he's able to get the ball over the top of a lot of these bigs. And he's able to um, <clears throat> blow by them so fast that there's really not a contest. That's why uh, one of Christian Wood's like best defensive position possessions in this game is when he got switched on to Russell Westbrook and he was able to recover for uh, um, a shot block and, uh, I was really impressed by that because we haven't seen a ton of possessions where Wood gets switched onto a smaller defender and he's able to use his lateral quickness to take advantage of that, you know, vert because he's there's not too many bigs that really have his sort of lateral quickness. You know, he we see him showcase it more so offensively. Um, but these last few games defensively, he's really starting to come into his own in that sense. But yeah, I, I thought Russell Westbrook did a pretty good job of putting some pressure on the rim for the map um, on the Mavericks. You know, he had a few, I think he made two threes in this game. Yeah. He made, uh, he but made the Mavericks, like you could see the Mavericks just deferring to him, wanting to shoot like whoever was guarding him man up, whether it be Reggie or Tim Hardaway jr. They were allowing him that cushion to be able to kind of just shoot over the top. And he took advantage in the first half, but we saw him regress 
back to the mean um, in a sense in that second half where his shooting just wasn't there as really as much. So, you know, that, that was really the bulk of the Lakers offense was him and LeBron. We saw Austin Reeves be able to use the mid range effectively in the second half and get some of his own, his own shot creation ability. Um, He was able to kind of dice the Mavericks up a little bit and some of those one-on-one possessions, but barring that, I mean, nobody else on the Lakers scored in double figures. So I don't even know if it really is what is, was as much any sort of defensive problems as it was the Mavericks just unable to hit their shots in that first half. Yeah. You know, I know Lonnie Walker started out the game with uh, three threes, I think in all in that first half. Yes, he did. Uh, And I want to say he's their leading three point uh, like three point uh, shooter. I want to say he's definitely their best, their best probably three and D player. And then next up, I'd probably say Troy Brown jr. Yeah, I was like, I know Troy Brown made one. Uh, I mean, these, these are solid. Players. These are solid guys, um, but they just don't have the sustainability to be able to, like, they're not your idealistic starting threes or anything. Yeah, like start, that. yeah. I mean, they're having to rely on Lonnie Walker for majority of the shooting. And I know the Lakers early on in that season, they got off to a super slow start shooting. Uh, I don't know if it's really picked up at all, um, but I do know that, you know, Troy Brown, Lonnie Walker, um, I want to say even Austin Reeves a little bit. Like, they've picked up the bulk of the shooting recently. Um, But, you know, whenever guys like LeBron and Russell Westbrook, especially in this game, you know, they're getting pretty much all of their points inside the paint or around that paint area just by taking one-on-ones and pretty much going to work down low. Like, you don't really need outside shooting at that point. No, 100%. Um, And like I said, you know, that comes down to the Mavericks point of attack defense and their their back line just not being as uh, it's not as strong, right. With all these injuries and, you know, you can't even really blame the Mavericks you know, the Mavericks are missing Kemba Walker in this game as well. And Dinwiddie was having an off game. He, I don't know. He just didn't seem as aggressive, I guess, really in that first half, his offense kind of consisted of catch and shoot threes. And, you know, it it wasn't just, we just didn't see that point of attack ball handling from him that we've seen during different stretches. You know, he's not a, he's not a 100% player in the sense that Dinwiddie's going to be that like, there's some games that, you know, you, we see Spencer Dinwiddie are like, Oh yeah, that's the number two guy next to Luca. Right. Like he has those 28 point games sometimes. Then he has that games like this, right. Where he's a great ball mover. He is able to really kind of catalyze things and transition and get things going. There were a few possessions, especially in that second half where, I thought he did a good job pushing the tempo up in transition. He got the ball to Christian Wood a few times. He had eight assists in this game, but just offensively, you know, he's he's really inconsistent in the sense that you're not going to get that, oh, Spencer Dinwiddie's the second best player on this team type of game from him every night, you know. So when the, with the Mavericks kind of sorely missing that, they really just didn't have a lot of offense to defer to in that first half outside of Luka. Um, and he was really kind of just doing everything he could and, you know, and the possessions where they went to Christian Wood, but they, the Luca and Christian Wood offense didn't really even come into fruition. I thought until that third quarter, that first half, it was just primarily Christian Wood being able to take advantage of Thomas Bryant and Wenyan Gabriel. Like he was being able to take advantage of these sort of subpar Lakers big men. Um, but that was really the bulk of the offense in that first half. What shifted in that third quarter for the Mavericks to be able to score 51 points, Jaren? Flat out shooting. Uh, the Mavericks scored. I know we pointed this out in the intro. Uh, a Christmas game or whatever you call it, uh, quarter high, 51 points. And it was all large to three point shooting. I want to say they went nine of 13 uh, in that quarter alone. And really, you know, the the Lakers, you know, be, starting out the quarter, starting out the second half, uh, they largely continued the same sort of defensive pressure on Luka. Um but once the Mavericks, you know, actually started making shots, they had to make adjustments, and thus this opened up the game for Luca. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just really corner threes from Tim. I know Reggie got a few. Uh, he went four of seven in this game. I think that might be his best clip of the year. Yeah, I mean, um, he. I think he he missed like either two or all three of his threes in the first half that he took, and then just flipped the script completely. Yeah. In the second half, uh, I want to say, uh, I know Christian Wood got some top of the key threes, but I want to say that was maybe in the first half um but yeah I mean I I just know it was I don't know what happened in the locker room but it was just a total flip of the script you know 
Reggie, I, I think he did go four of four in that whole entire second half. Tim Hardaway went six of 14 from three. Um, I mean, in that I, second half, he, he hit, it seemed like basically in that third quarter stretch and that beginning of the fourth quarter stretch, Tim Hardaway Jr. made basically all his threes. Yeah. He was, um, he was doing a really good job um, pump faking. I mean, I'm, that sounds like very simplistic, but I mean, he would – uh, anytime those Lakers defenders were closing out on him hard, I thought Tim's always done a good job. I You can tell like when he's in a rhythm versus like when he's out of it, he'll rush a lot more of these shots yeah. and he'll just try to get it up there fast. We saw that in the first half a few times when he does his little, he catches it and he doesn't even bring the ball down whatsoever. He just shoots it from basically um, the, a position that's like at his head versus when his shot is in sync, you see him, you know, using his patience, pump faking, sidestepping to be able to hit some of these threes. And he was doing that to uh, to a T in that third quarter. And he even uh, Tim attacked from the wing a few times, um, you know, when he got some mismatches on Schroeder. Uh, it was basically the penultimate Tim Hardaway junior offensive game in that third quarter where we see the the basically the dynamics from the first half versus the second half. Uh, at play where he is able to use his microwave ability to really get his shot creation and his three-point shooting uh, down to a T in that third quarter versus in the first half where you just saw how limited he can be when just one or two shots miss and he looks all to sorts offensively. He looks really clunky with the ball at times when he can't decide whether to attack or to pull for a mid-range jump shot I mean you knew that he was going when he uh, I think he had a possession on often on Austin Reeves or something where he was on the uh, weak side wing and um you know he he got the ball and then he you know he basically goes into like a behind the back dribble little semi cross up and drains a mid-range jump shot whenever Tim's hitting um shots like that that's when you know you can tell his microwave meter is turned on high so that was quite the revelation to see. I thought somewhat of a micro adjustment that we saw from the Mavericks was they seemed like they had better counters to the double team. I mean, it didn't really seem like they were using Christian Wood. Like they didn't really seem to use the short roll at all. Um, it seemed like that was kind of, that's been something that's been less prevalent ever since Josh Green's been out. Um, you know, we'll see Wood do it at times, but the Lakers, really tried to bring some like late doubles. They, I thought they were pretty timely with their doubles, um, but the Mavericks just had way better spacing on those double teams in the second half. And while they, they had quite a bit of open threes in that first half in that second half, it seemed like they, they got even a lot more, especially in that third quarter um, where, you know, when the Lakers would double there would, you know, Christian Wood would be deep in the paint where he, he could get it from Luca and then, you know, get that hockey assist for Luca by kicking out to the wing or the corner. They, it just seemed a lot more decisive for whatever reason. I don't know what the talk at halftime was from Mr. Jason Mid, but it, it was um, it was just a joke, guys. I love Jason. <laughs> um, but they they just seemed more decisive in those scenarios. And I mean, Christian Wood had seven assists tonight. I think that might be a Maverick high for him. I can't confirm that, but he did a great job. Um, he wasn't really even necessarily operating out of the short roll, but just when he'd get the ball uh, sealed in the paint, if the Lakers were able to bring another guy, just being decisive and making the right pass in those scenarios, that's something that we noticed early on in the season that the Mavericks have used kind of sparingly. We really haven't seen his passing ability come into fruition too much, but it was uh, quite the revelation to see in this game and you know it it opened up a lot for him in that fourth quarter when he was able to really get his own isolation attempts going because you could see that the Lakers defenders were kind of hesitant to help at times because they didn't you know want him to kick out to any of the our shooters with how hot Reggie and Tim were shooting from three so and I mean Luca and it opened up things for Luca too because you know of course the doubles were less prevalent he was able to go to work. He he made a few mid-range shots in this game. I mean, the Lakers, they started to try to double him like really late, you know, almost to the point where like once he got in like the restricted areas when they'd finally bring help. But Luca was just making some tough shots tonight, you know, off those spin moves. He operated a lot of the post tonight. 
he had a few passes basically from the post to the weak side corner that were really good. So it was really, you know, as the Mavericks basically were able to synchronize their offense with this limited personnel as much as they could in that third quarter. And I think that that's, you know, that in tandem with just them shooting better, the live and die by the three complex that this team has, of course, that's really what got things going for them in that third quarter. I thought. Yeah, no, without a doubt, you know, uh, referring to Luca, he, he had some amazing shots and it was all basically whenever, uh, you know, Patrick Beverly was on him, uh, Patrick Beverly, whenever they went away from the double team was like, really the primary defender I, that's what it seemed like to me uh him or Westbrook really was um and you know Luca being Luca he just takes a smaller defender in the paint and you know just goes to work down low and that's pretty much all he did and that's all I needed to do uh, I know he had a few step back threes and this is pretty much all in the second half um but that's yeah you know that's Luca's offense right there uh he knocked down 12 free throws uh he got to the line quite a bit in this one 16 attempts um yeah, I mean, this was honestly one of the most all-around Luka games where he was one rebound and one assist shy of a triple-double as well. Uh, we just saw, you know, from passing ability to, you know, offense, creating his own offense, of course, it was pretty much just all there. Uh, and, you know, going back to Christian Wood's point, uh, even Christian Wood in that second half, uh, he was able to – one thing I noticed was, like, he, he got most of his points down low, which I don't feel like we've seen a whole lot this year um from Christian Wood whenever he has these 30 point point performances it's all from like shooting five of five from the three-point line or something like that um but he was able to really get a large bulk of his offense down low yeah I mean we've had there have been times this season where he's definitely gotten to that like 20 point margin just by virtue of Luca lobs and things of that nature but to see him go off for 30 um, with it primarily just, you know, feasting down low was really good to see. He did a good job offensive rebounding in this game. Very good. He job. only had two of them, but he was active on the glass. Now, admittedly, you know, once, you know, Thomas Bryant and Wendy Gabriel were kind of ineffective, the Lakers had some small ball lineups where they were playing LeBron at center, and they just really didn't have the personnel to be able to counter Christian Wood, who that kind of seems really um, weird to say just based on the fact that, Wood is a guy who we've seen this season get bodied quite a bit by larger, you know, post players and guys who are just able to um, really put a stranglehold on the Mavericks down hole, down low rather, and, you know, really able to make their presence known. But in a game like this, where the Lakers outside of, you know, Gabriel and Bryant, who kind of are just really kind of one-off centers like those are guys who I think are you know to an extent have a future in the NBA they have some interesting skill sets um Bryant you know can stretch the floor Gabriel has some intriguing length to him but you know those are not guys who are consistent they're a lot more developmental especially Bryant coming off that injury and you know once the Mavericks picked those guys apart when they were out there without Anthony Davis out there Christian Wood was really able to just feast on the glass and uh, I thought something that was really nice um, because the Lakers, how timely their doubles were, it seemed kind of the Mavericks really weren't able to get the pick and roll game with Luca and Christian Wood going, but Christian Wood was we, within the flow of the offense. Of course, he still did a good job uh, cutting, getting to his spots. And like, he was getting, he was getting an effective isolation positions to where it wasn't screwing up the flow of the offense. And when you got him the ball, he was making things happen with it. You know, it's something we always, as Mavericks fans, struggled sorely with KP is that, you know, it seems so clunky. And there there have been times, you know, as much as I defer to Christian Wood a little more than some other Mavericks fans, there admittedly have been times where he's looked a little clunky and out of sorts when, you know, he's really just trying to furbish his own offense. But in this game, it, it he had 30 points and a lot of them we're off isolation post-ups on, you know, mismatches with smaller defenders, things of that nature, but it didn't seem like it was, um, it was sacrificial to the Mavericks offensive flow whatsoever. So I thought that that was really cool within this game. And I mean, he had a great game. He did a good job running in transition. So it was a, it was a really fun game from that aspect. Um, what else um, the, you know, the Mavericks kind of carried over that, hot shooting to the fourth quarter to an extent they had 30 points um 
they kind of took their foot off the pedal and we saw Austin Reeves start to get hot for the Lakers. We saw some of the Lakers bench being able to, you know, make their presence felt with Westbrook. He got a few more shots, but I mean, I don't know. It just like, it it didn't really ever feel, even though the Lakers scored 40 points in that fourth quarter, like they ever were a threat to come back. Like they ever had like a grasp on this game. Like they got the momentum. Like once the Mavericks took lead in that third quarter, it really seemed like they were in the driver's seat for the rest of the game. Yeah. You know, I I know early, like really early on in that fourth quarter, it kind of seemed like the Lakers went on like a five over eight run, something like that. And I'm starting to get a little nervous there, but as soon as the Mavericks kind of subbed Luka back in around the nine to nine, eight minute mark, it kind of just seemingly fell apart for the Lakers. Uh, I know, you know, with about four minutes left, they got a lot of their garbage time minutes. Austin Reeves was starting to hit his shots in that fourth quarter, of course. Um, to me, I would call this like a nine point blowout. Um, I know it's only a nine point margin, three possessions, but again, this one just felt more like a blowout than anything else. Uh, we saw LeBron again, you know, not not even garbage time minutes because he wasn't really checked in for most of the fourth quarter, but uh, he got it going a little bit. We just kind of saw, you know, the Mavericks sort of clock out and it, it wasn't even like any discredit to them. You know, they they started playing. Yeah, I mean, um, they were up by, by 20 to an extent, but like I, I would probably be more harsh upon them if the lead ever got to single digits. Um, but I mean, the Lakers really didn't make a lot of that push until like the last four minutes of the game exactly when yeah. the Mavericks had it towed away for the most part um Luca got really hot in that fourth quarter and he was getting into the paint at will because you could see the reluctancy from the Lakers in terms of doubling him after how hot the Mavericks shot the ball in the second half the Mavericks overall uh from three in this game were 18 of 44 uh you know obviously an insane volume of threes per usual but, I mean, anytime you're approaching that 23-pointers made margin, you're probably going to be in a position to win the game if you're the Mavericks. I mean, you'll put up a crazy amount of points, that's for sure. So, I mean, the broadcast – I mean, I don't know. I can't believe Hubie Brown is still broadcasting. He has yeah, no, that. <laughs> literally in a cane and, like, he has to be in whatever sort of push wheelchair that with all the buttons and everything – you know, that's no discredit to him or anything or his storied career, but he's real, he's really old and you can see his memory leaving him when um, the, uh, the color commentator asks him to talk about anything. He just, he, he, he says things to say things. Yeah. Like, he just says things to say. Things. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny to watch though. Um, but nonetheless, um, they, they pointed out like, you know, the volatility of the Mavericks and how their three point shooting basically, you know, flipping a script. If, if they're shooting as hot as they do, you know, they can beat any team in, in the league. Um, it's very Dantonian. It's very reminiscent of those, Rock, those Rockets teams, you know, without the small ball aspect to it, of course, uh, where we saw when Harden, you know, back in the day was that point of attack guy. And then they played that, Tucker. Um, you know, they uh, have that sort of um, – that heliocentric offense, uh, the word was leaving me. Um, but yeah, that we see that uh, heliocentrism with the Mavericks, of course, with Luca. And I mean, it's something we're still going to see all year. But seeing Kemba Walker uh, being able to relieve things these last few games has been a, it's definitely not been some sort of cure all for the Mavericks, their ball handler situation. But I think if the knee can be micromanaged to an extent to where he's at least, um, he can at least, you know, come out and provide 20 solid minutes every game, then I think that definitely helps the Mavericks third ball in our situation a lot. But, you know, the Mavericks were just severely limited personnel wise, but to win three in a row in a game like this, where they looked really dead in the water in the first half was really fun to see. I mean, it it bodes well for the national media, Um, not from the perspective of the Luca needs help argument, because it seems like that just flips the script every game. Anytime we win, it's like, oh, Luca has too much help around him. And then anytime we lose, it's like, oh, you got to get Luca more help. Uh, you know, maybe not helps. It does not do, it does not steadfast that argument by any means. But um, the national media perception of the Mavericks, I think, was generally positive yesterday after the win. So it's good to always get a win on Christmas Day at home. This is a game that we've been looking forward to for a while. 
Um, do you have any more thoughts on the game? I, I really honestly like don't think that there's too much more to sum up. I mean, you know, obviously we elongated and stretched it out and microanalyzed it, but this game really boils down to the Mavericks making shots in the second half. Yeah, I mean, the Mavericks had – I want to say they only they were like five of 23 or five of 22 in the first half of three point shooting. And they finished the game 18 of 44. Um, that's a 41 percent clip like the Mavericks. Yeah, I mean, largely it just kind of seems like uh, and this is really like what we've seen all year. You know, as soon as the Mavericks are hitting shots, you know, defense correlates. Uh, and that's I mean, this is just another case of what probably 18 times that we've seen this. Um, I think just like team defense in general, right? Like it's not like yeah, no, yeah. the, you know, individual defense on certain guys improves by some insane margin, but I think collectively we see the Mavericks do better on closeouts. We see the switchability work better. Guys are communicating better anytime they're hitting shots. And I mean, it's just the cliche basketball, um, you know, defense correlates to your offense. You know, if you're playing well on, offense and your your defense will follow you know in all reality the best teams are gonna that's gonna be uh switched around of course right like your offense correlates to your defense like that defense is your threshold that you're gonna stay stagnant with every game that's the best teams in the nba right but uh the mavericks aren't in that position they're seventh in the west um me and jaron are or jaron and i rather for you grammatical uh yeah come on well, what out there my bad <laughs> uh, are going to be doing a very big overarching theme podcast tonight takeaways throughout the third first 34 games of the season we'll probably do another one seven games from now once we get to the official halfway marker of the season this one's more so to uh, reprimand the pods that were lost from us being out so we're gonna take some big picture looks at christian wood his contract extension him becoming a starter these last few games amid some injuries is that something that is going to be sustained? It has been the last few games. Is that something that's going to be sustained long-term? I would probably say yes, especially after um, how he's been playing the last couple of games. But we'll, we'll look into that. We're going to look at really every player standing on the roster. If the Mavericks can make a move, yeah. um, what moves are to be made? Um, do they even have the flexibility or uh, to be able to do something like that? Well, we're going to be getting into that. I, I, the, the question, um, they had the brief answer for me right now is I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they, uh, like I've been saying all year, if they have the personnel to be able to move guys like that. Um, we'll be getting into that later tonight and just some general takeaways from the last few games where all we're also going to be projecting where we think this team through 34 games is going to finish. Where do we think this Mavericks team? is able to plant their foot on the 2022-23 regular season. Are they going to get out of the play playing discussion or are they going to kind of just persist within this medi mediocre realm for the rest of the year? Uh, we'll yeah. be getting into all that tonight. I don't really have um, too much more from this game. Like I said, Jaden Hardy, Tyler Dorsey got some running garbage time. Oh, wait, no. Uh, do we want the Tyler Dorsey news? Oh, yes. No, I was going to – I had some things saved up for – Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if you the pod. I was going to get into that and the Dirk statue. So we're okay. going to be into that in a second. I was just wanting to – there. you know, I feel, I feel like we talked about everybody on both sides of this game, really. I mean, we, Davis came in, hit a few threes, played terrible defense. I mean, typically. Da, yeah, yeah, it's just like um, he, he had some uh, – he at least contributed six points. He, he definitely helped keep the Mavericks alive to an extent in that second quarter, which was much needed, but outside of that – it wasn't really anything big. Theo Penson was the first wing off the bench because the Mavericks are just just obviously have no depth in this game with basically all their wings sacrificed to injuries. And he had like an air ball three, and he just looked completely out of sorts offensively, which is really his calling card is to be able to, you know, provide some sort of creation ability. That's that's why he's in the NBA, despite you know being a great fanfare team guy on the bench um but i mean he he looked rough in his few minutes out there he grabbed a couple boards but that was really all he did in seven minutes and then tyler dorsey and Jaden hardy got a little bit of run in garbage time of course um that last minute you know it had the mavericks put the game away more decisively they could have played i think a, a larger stretch 
it is a little concerning to me that um, Jaden Hardy didn't play over McKinley Wright, but like I said, the whole back contusion thing, I think was the main perpetrator of that. We'll see how that goes um, going forward. I would probably defer to Hardy. Um, honestly, just as probably the better player, even though yeah. I do really love uh, McKinley Wright's skill set to be able to get some of these minutes. But, you know, there are some rookie woes that I think McKinley Wright doesn't have just having been around the NBA scene a little longer than Hardy. You can, he's a little more decisive at times. Um, but obviously, it's the trade off, right? When you get Hardy out there, you know, you get to get him more NBA run and really see the potential start to come into fruition at times, even if you will have some more silly mistakes than McKinley Wright, of course. But I don't know. That was interesting that they deferred to McKinley Wright. But like I said, I do likely think that it's due to Hardy's injury. So, it, but nonetheless, anytime that you can get any of those guys some clock out there, it's good to be able to see because, you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie like McKinley Wright's going to have some insane NBA career and be this storied backup point guard. But I can see him having a future in this league to an extent. Um, I don't hopefully, you know, it's with the Mavericks in some sort of capacity, but you never know. And but and nonetheless, like it was cool, to, you know, in a game where we were really injury hampered that he came out there and provided some decent minutes. Um, otherwise, uh, let's uh, so, you know, obviously the Dirk statue was unveiled before the game and it i think was better than i thought they didn't do the whole Way better three, than they didn't do the whole three balls connected shot thing for the three um it was like a little colorful you actually saw the colors upon dirk's shoes and his jersey and it's really big too it's like 20 25 feet and i mean it's kind of everything i'd hoped for it's exact and it's on victory plaza i'm it was really cool to see uh, that's really my only takeaway. I think Luca came out there for the ceremony. Mark Cuban was in a suit, but still had to wear. Um, he still wore tennis shoes, of course. I mean, that's very Mark Cuban fashion esque. But it was a uh, it was a nice little ceremony. The whole all for one agenda that they had going on there. I, I liked it. It was cool and subtle, and it was, I think, a great sort of lasting way to commemorate Dirk before he goes into the Hall of Fame which um, I know he was announced as an inductee or not an inductee, but a nominee. Yeah. A nominee, yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that he's, he's first ballot. He's probably going to get in right away. I don't think there's really a doubt about that. So, you know, we obviously got Nowitzki way. We have the street, we did 41, 21, one, you know, we did his Jersey retirement. This was the sort of lasting thing before he goes to Naismith and it was a really cool way to commemorate him. Uh, do you have any other lasting thoughts on that, Jaren? I, it was a cool little, I, I don't know if it was maybe, I, it was really weirdly timed being on Christmas day. Like I just felt kind of like, I feel like they could have, you know, maybe put it on another game, like the 41st game of the season or something like, yeah. It I, like at first, I, at first glance, it was like, Oh, it's a great day to do it. You know, Christmas day versus Lakers, but with all the NBA stuff going on around the league, it kind of felt a little off kilter. But besides that, I really didn't have any gripes with it. I thought it was a cool statue. And me and Jaren will actually be at the game tonight. I mean, tomorrow night. So we're excited to see it. Um, but do you have any other reactions to it? Yeah, you know, I know uh, just some like cool little, I guess, uh, I don't know, little digs uh, that I saw. It. Uh, he's actually wearing like whatever in the statue. He's wearing his Hyperdunk 11s or whatever, which he yeah. wore in the NBA finals, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then I don't know who took this picture, but there was a picture out there uh, where it was like his fadeaway and then it had Nowitzki way in the background. Uh, and that was just, yeah. the, I think that was really, like, I, th I think there's like some other like thing on the stanchion that holds the statue up. That's like, it, it has some sort of commemoration to him. Really? I didn't know. Yeah, that. I, I saw something like that on Twitter. I'd have to double check that, but the stanchion's kind of cool. It has like three, like um, it almost seems like um, I was just in geology this semester, guys. I'm trying to backtrack. <laughs> it seems like um, it's kind of seemed like three kind of like obsidian stone steps um or something like that that was the color at least so it was a really like cool little stanchion so it was it's a cool statue nonetheless we're we're going way too far into the statue but uh yeah um besides that two little bits of news have dropped as we were doing this podcast we figured we'd save it to the end since both of them are minute just in terms of how much of an actual like gradual effect that they have upon anything but um Luka Doncic just got announced as player of the week 
for that in the Western Conference. Yes, along with Pascal Siakam, that just came out. So um, it seems like they never give Luca Player of the Week. He'll get Player of the Month, but it's finally nice to see him commemorated for one week where he's doing really good. You could arguably probably have given it to Jokic the way he's had this (laughs) week he's had, Um, but that's cool to see Luca get player of the week. We'll, we'll talk about Luca's MVP case tonight in our pod as well. I think that's going to be fun to get into a little bit as well. We have a lot of overarching themes we'll get into. Um, and also the Mavericks wave Tyler Dorsey who got his, I, I honestly think that, you know, because of the recalling and calling up from the legends and what have you, I, I kind of think that this might be his last stint with the Mavericks organization. I don't know if he's going to be back, with the legends. I don't know. I think I could see him easily going to another G league team or something of that sort, but we'll have to see. He's been tearing it up in the G league. I mean, Hardy is obviously played, you know, he's probably been the best guy on the legends this year, but I mean, Tyler Dorsey's a close second. He's been, he's had a ton of these 25, 30 point games where he's just making like seven, eight threes. Do you think that, and um, we'll get into the, who the Mavericks signed to replace him a guy who was recently away from the Timberwolves that I think Mavericks fans know all too well from this offseason in summer league. But do you think Tyler Dorsey's stint in Dallas was cut short or do you think the Mavericks made the right decision in waving him here? Do you, or do you, do you think that he just didn't get a, a fair enough of an opportunity? I mean, you can make an argument for everything there. Um, I mean, Tyler Dorsey, I don't even know what his averages were to be honest, but we would see him crack minutes every five games or so. Um you know, I don't want to say it was cut short or anything, but I definitely think that there was more that could have been produced from him. And then I don't want to say, you know, did he do his fair share and everything like that? You know, I, I think there's arguments to be made for everything. Uh, at the end of the day, it's just a two-way contract. Um, and what he did in the G League, he tore up the G League. Uh, I think, you know, to your point about him being in a different organization, I do think that that probably will happen. Uh, I don't know about another two-way contract, but I do think he's like probably a G League stay for at least this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he had some fun moments. I know he nine points or 10 points, whatever it was on the first game of the season. Uh, and other than that, I think that was pretty much like his big, his big like showcase. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think it was cut short. I don't think it was, you know, he was cheated out of anything. I think it was just a simple two-way contract. Uh, I, I don't know if this is going to be like a McLaughlin type thing where we're still paying him for two years. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I it it could be those those two way waves are weird, but I don't. It's not going to be a significant amount to where it actually matters on our cap sheet or anything like that, anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean Tyler Dorsey turns twenty seven on. Wait, Jaren, when's your birthday? February eighteenth. That's Tyler Dorsey's birthday too. Hey, okay, now I'm sad. Yeah, Yeah, because I remember (laughs) that your birthday was mid February, and I was like looking at his his Wikipedia page here, and yeah, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he uh, he shares a birthday with you, but he's a little older. Uh, but he'll be turning twenty seven then. So you know, he's. I just don't think that he's as prospective as the guy that the Mavericks just signed, and this is a guy that the Mavericks just signed who kind of provides the same thing offensively as Dorsey, but is a much more of a versatile defender at that guard position. And that's AJ Lawson, who was re- who uh, was waived by the Timberwolves. He was on a two way contract earlier with them. He actually got a little NBA run. I think he had like one or two games where he did solid. Um, but now he's, he was with the college park Hawks of the G league and the Mavericks actually just signed him to a two-way contract. Uh, AJ Lawson. I think he's a significant amount younger than Tyler Dorsey. I, I want to say he's like 21. Yeah. Let me see how old he is. He is only 22. So 22 and yeah. he just turned 22 in July. So not too long ago, he's not going to be 20. He's not going to turn 23 this season. He's six, six. He's a little taller. He's lengthier. He can defend twos and threes. He did. He was a really, you know, we obviously talk glowingly about this guy in the summer league. You can make the argument that this was the move the Mavericks need to make from the beginning um, in the summer league because there was a lot of people pining for us to sign AJ Lawson, and but of course the Mavericks deferred to uh, Dorsey, who Dorsey was playing in for Olympiacos in Greece, and this was a big thing back in the off season where we had nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, um, yeah, like when we were just microanalyzing these two way guys. Um, but I mean, I I am. Honestly, I'm happy about it. I, I didn't hate Tyler Dorsey. I honestly think that there was a little bit of an opportunity and a window for him there. If Tim continually kept playing as bad as he was, I really, there was a, about four weeks ago before Tim Hardaway Jr. hit his ascension. 
where I thought there was a window for Tyler Dorsey to maybe start getting some minutes if Tim just kept putting up brick after brick after brick. But, of course, he turned it around. A.J. Lawson is a guy who's more intriguing to me just because of his defense. Like, I think this is a guy who could get into an NBA rotation. I, I really do, having seen him in the summer league now. These two we, two-way guys are really spotty. You can't really tell. You know, it's it's kind of hard to get a grasp on how good they are just having seen them play summer league. So I'm not going to, you know, put all my stock into this guy and say that he's actually going to be able to plant himself in the Mavericks rotation and get minutes and all this and that. But I mean, I'm, I'm excited that he's with our organization again and that, um, you know, he's a lot younger. He actually could serve to bear some development to him, you know, versus Dorsey, who I just think his developmental shelf life wasn't there compared to Lawson. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, like at face value, like Dorsey, sure, there's an argument to be made that he could have got a better opportunity in Dallas, but I don't really hate this at all. I, I'm, I'm, I'd say overall, I'm happy about this, but I also don't want to microanalyze it too, too much. What do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, you know, amazing for <clears throat> like AJ Lawson is getting another stint in the NBA, of course. Uh, best case scenario, you know, he turns into like an Anthony Lamb type guy for the Mavericks. Um, and not like that he plays like Anthony Lamb. I'm just saying, yeah, but like that, gets that much of a role. I get what you're saying. That's a, that was a good comparison. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's the best case scenario for him. That was and a very I mean, random point, player to throw out there. I will also. Hey, but that. he's a two way guy, so that's why I threw him out. Oh, there. oh, okay, okay. That okay. I, I failed to realize Anthony Lamb was a two way. <laughs> yeah, he's a two way. I, I honestly definitely. didn't even know that. I thought he was on like a veteran minimum or something. Okay, he might he might not be on the two way anymore, but I do know he was, he was at some point. So I, I I I do remember that. I appreciate you for enlightening me up on that. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that's best case scenario. Uh, but just being real here, you know, uh, I think it's well doing or I guess like finally, you know, something positive. And I don't want to say positive because it's two way, but uh, he was well deserving of a contract here in the summer and, you know, finally gets a shot here in December. This is a guy who I'm at least more psyched about taking a shot on. Yeah, I was, I was like, Tyler Dorsey was like, okay, with, whatever, with him but. and McKinley Wright is my two ways. Yeah, I, I at least have a little more. I'm, I'm in summation, I'm, I'm just a little more positive about it. Um, you know, it's a move the Mavericks should have made from the beginning, but they got him sooner rather than later. And it's not like AJ Lawson went on to the Timberwolves and started becoming the they're like three and D piece off the bench or anything like that. So uh, let's, let's see how it goes is all I can say. I don't know how much rent he'll get with the legends. And I'm, I assume he will probably definitely start with the legends unless the Mavericks injury woes continue to persist. I mean, Frank was even out last game. So, I mean, he may, he may have to come in and play um, <laughs> as soon as tomorrow. We don't even know really. Uh, we'll, we'll see kind of how it goes, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm happy for him. And that's really all I got. I'm, I'm, I'm overall, happy about the move but i it's also like let's not act like this is going to be some sort of deal breaker. this is tilting the meter here it's it's not tilting the meter it's not <laughs> tilting the meter um but there's a one percent chance it could so that's what we will yeah, very, very with, with this two-way signing um but besides that we already talked um at nauseum about our podcast tonight in which we'll go over all those big picture things and we're excited to do that but a nice, fun Christmas Day win for the Mavericks. We're excited to be back with you guys. Uh, we are going to be launching on YouTube tonight. So, you know, we vowed that we would do that, and we are finally doing it. So you guys look forward to that. We're going to be launching a few different things. we got our TikTok coming up. Um, we're, we're trying to get ourselves out there on as many platforms as possible, and we want the visual aspect to be able to be there for you guys, you know, as minute as it may be or whatever. We want whatever medium that you guys would most prefer to listen to a podcast on to be applicable. Even, you know, we, even though we're on like most podcast platforms, we want to expand as much as we can with you guys. Uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. If you got this far in the podcast, make sure to, to subscribe and um, follow us on Apple podcasts and Spotify. I haven't done this in a while. I apologize guys. And <laughs> um, give us a five-star rating. Um, look out for our YouTube channel. It's going to be Mainstream Mavs on YouTube. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs. We appreciate the support from all you guys um, who have stuck with us throughout this stretch where we haven't posted and you were offered basically no explanation. Uh, that means a lot to us. Uh, but anyways, we're excited to be back and in full effect for the Mavericks as we turn the tide of the new year. And hopefully 
the Mavericks turn the tie of the new year like they did last year, which I, I don't foresee them doing, but it's okay. Anyways, we, we will catch you guys later tonight in our YouTube launch in our big picture Bye. podcast of the Mavericks through 34 games. You have any lasting thoughts for the crowd, Jaren? Um, Merry Christmas. Hope you have a happy new year. Yes, uh, I'm happy, say that. Happy Merry Kwanzaa. Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Jaren is, um, what are you, one-fourth Jewish? We can call it one-fourth. We're going to call it one-fourth. So Jaren <laughs> celebrates Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah to you guys out there as well. Um, and happy holidays and happy new year. And we will see you guys tonight. Bye-bye.